Well, good morning. It's so great to see all of you, and some of you are guests. Thank you so much for being here. This is a very, very special day for us. Well, if you've been around a while, you know that one of the things I enjoy eating is what? Cheetos. Oh, yes, yes. Well, related to that subject, I actually found something that came across my desk in an email that it's important for me to share with you only in Canada. A small Canadian town east of Calgary has been caught orange-handed after the unveiling of a cheesy new installment. Cheetos revealed a 17-foot-tall Cheeto hand statue, C-H-E-E-T-L-E, on October 4th in similar-sounding Cheeto, Alberta, C-H-E-A-D-L-E. The statue is part of the brand's effort to popularize the word Cheeto with a T. In a press conference announcing the statue, Cheetos cited Dictionary.com's definition of the term as the brand name for the powdery residue that gets on your fingertips while eating the savory cheese snack, Cheetos. That's what Cheetle with a T is. Well, the news release also included the excitement of a local resident, James Gostelli, president of the town's community club. We're excited to be celebrating Cheetle and Canadians' cheesy, cheetle-dusted fingertips on such a grand scale. The statue will be available for anyone to view until November 4th. So, for you Cheetos lovers, you only have one week to be able to go see the statue. Uh-huh. Only in Canada, huh? Well, I just couldn't pass that by. To celebrate that momentous occasion, let me say there are benefits for youngsters sitting on the front row. So we have some of these youngsters sitting. I'm going to commemorate by giving out Cheez-Its. Close, I couldn't find Cheetos, so Cheez-Its toes. Let's see here. Okay, guys, how about it? You want Cheez-It? How about it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, let's see here. Let's see. You are welcome. Let's see who we have over here. So who's, who's under 12, first or second row? Well, I, I can't give it to the babies. That's not going to work. Uh, under 12's here? Under 12's here? Under 12's here? No. Close. You're in, are you in high school? Well, you get one, though. <laughs> okay, so I have a few more of these. Who would like? Who likes cheese? Okay, okay, got one over here. Okay, oh, that was quick. Quick hand there. Okay. All right. I can see. Do you like Cheetos or cheese? Like them both? Okay, I got a couple. You want one too? Of course, they got it. Even Steven, you're on the very front row. You get one. Thank you. Let's see here. Oh, I see those hands. I see those hands. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Oh, oh. <laughs> thank you. She's not afraid at all. Oh, that's great. Okay, you know what? I see two young girls here. I'm going to. Well, actually, and here's one for you, sweetie. That's it, right there. And I have a grand prize. It's a grand prize. I really want this, but because I'm spiritual, I'm going to give it away. Cheetos popcorn. Uh huh. You like the Cheetos popcorn? Whoa! Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. Now, what does that have to do with today's message? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I had to show you that little statue there. Okay, okay. Well, we're continuing. I say, oh, 
So I, he came in when he heard the stuff was being given away. <laughs> Smart kid you got there. All right. We're continuing our series. And if you didn't get one, I am really so sorry. But they do have them in the grocery store. So you can go there. We're continuing. That wore me out. I need, I need to get a little uh, break here. Okay. We're continuing our series in Mark. Last week, we actually talked about a subject related to kind of what I've done. We talked about the idea of fasting. You know, maybe I should have done the Cheetos things last week. Anyway, fasting, we found, is a helpful spiritual discipline that helps build our spiritual muscles. Now, you can go back and look at the video if you'd like to. We answered four questions. What is fasting? Why should I fast? How do I fast? And the results of fasting. We actually gave that little handout that were kind of in detail my, my message. We have some of these at the Welcome Center. Plus today is our 12-hour prayer and fasting. And you can get some information at the Welcome Center or the info booth that has my message from last week. Well, today um, we're going to look at another spiritual discipline that's related to this spiritual discipline. And I want to kind of get you thinking about it. It's the idea of Sabbath. Now, just in your mind, what does the word Sabbath convey to you? You don't have to answer out loud. Just think in your mind. When you hear the word Sabbath, what comes to your mind? So we're kind of setting your, 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 your frame of mind right now. So here's the big idea for today. Big idea is this. You can experience the benefits, and there are a lot of them, the benefits of the Sabbath when you practice what I'm calling the four R's of Sabbath keeping. So what we're going to do, we're going to complete this little chart. There's R1, R2, R3, and R4. Now, it's important to, to really understand that for the Western mindset, we don't have the full cultural background that a Jewish person would have in the, in the days of Jesus. There were two very important uh, practices that were just crucial to the Jewish people. One was circumcision. The other was Sabbath keeping, which extended from sunset Friday until sunset Saturday. Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, for Christians, the Sabbath moved to Sunday to commemorate his resurrection. Now, according to Jewish tradition, God chose Israel from the peoples of the earth and instituted the Sabbath as a, an eternal sign and blessing on Israel's unique status. So if you want to get your Bibles or your Bible app, we're going to read a short section, Mark 2, 23 through 28. Mark 2, 23 through 28. And um, let's stand as I read this, okay? Would you stand? Mark 2, 23 through 28. Here we go. Just follow along. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. So you kind of got the picture there. They're walking along a field. And they're picking some grains. It could have been barley. It could have been wheat. The Pharisees, somehow there were some Pharisees watching, said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God, the temple, and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to the companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath 
was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Okay, you can have a seat. So let's unpack what's going on in this really important passage in the book of Mark. So, so here's the deal. Jesus and his companions uh, were walking along and they saw some grain fields. Grain fields, like I said, either wheat or barley. And they kind of nudged their way into those grain fields and they broke off some of the little stalks and some of the little grains and kind of rubbed off that little outer husk and they were eating them, okay, because they were hungry. Well, and by the way, this was common for travelers to do that. It was not illegal, you know, you could do that, but not on the Sabbath. Well, these Pharisees were very concerned about this because they said, why are you doing something that is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, their objection was not that they plucked off these little kernels, but because they considered doing so was reaping grain, which was prohibited on the Sabbath. As a result of these uh, legalistic laws, Jesus often came into conflict with the Pharisees and scribes. Six times the Gospels record his conflict with them. Now, Sabbath keeping was one of the Ten Commandments. And there's Charlton Heston in the movie, The Ten Commandments. If you've seen that, it's an old, old movie. The Ten Commandments are the ten core principles that God gave the crown of his creation, human beings, as definitive guides to live lives that please God on how we should relate to others, uh, how uh, we should uh, order our society, and to provide principles that have followed lead to the good life God wants us to experience. Now, the Ten Commandments have been the moral framework for Western society for generations, for, for centuries. And history has proved that when we reject these principles and guides that God gave us, society's moral fabric comes apart as we're seeing today in the world and in our country, even as I speak. Now, many of these Ten Commandments are self-evident. You know, you kind of, okay, I, I get it. Like, you know, uh, uh, don't, uh, you know, honor your parents and don't steal, don't lie. Marriage is between one biological man, one biological woman. Those kind of things, you know, those kind of things. You don't have sex outside of marriage. But some of them not so self-evident. This is the one that's not so self-evident. What is Sabbath keeping? It's not so intuitive. It's the fourth one and the longest one in the scriptures. Going to Exodus. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And here's what the prohibition was. Six days you're supposed to work and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Then he says, on it you shall not do any work. And he lists who's not supposed to, neither you, your son, your daughter, your manservant, maidservant, and the animals, nor the alien, the non-Jew among you. For he says, for in six days, referring to creation, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But what happened next? He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, the Jewish people had been in bondage for 400 years under Egyptian rule. Never had a day off. Worked seven days a week. God used Moses to deliver them from this bondage. He affirmed their dignity as human beings through this deliverance and gave them the Ten Commandments. One of them was Sabbath keeping. Now, that command reminded the people that for over 400 years, they were considered cogs in the machine of the Egyptian empire, slaves, subhumans with no time off during all that time. But now, God instituted the Sabbath, something for their great benefit, that is the Sabbath. 
Because it was so important to the Jewish people, the scribes and the Pharisees, the, these uh, kind of religious leaders, they set up all of these, they went overboard to protect it. And they set up all of these extra prohibitions about working on the Sabbath. And in fact, they had 39 different classes of things you were not supposed to do on the Sabbath. And now we, you might think, okay, you know, don't plow or maybe don't hunt. But even things like this, you couldn't tie or untie a knot. That was one of them. You could not uh, stitch more than one stitch if you were sewing. You could not write more than one letter. It got that detail. Now, in the creation account, in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, God set the example for us to rest on the Sabbath. And here's what he said. The seventh day, after God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from his work. And it says, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, let's go back to these scribes, these religious leaders, okay? This is actually an image on one of the scrolls, one of the documents found in the Dead Sea Scrolls discovery in, in Israel several decades ago, a treasure trove of biblical material that reinforces Christianity and the Bible. So anyway, this is a picture of one of these. They were the ones that wrote up all these and determined that, uh, involved in creating all these rules. Well, they had this complex rules, as I said, leaving it safeguarded, keeping the Ten Commandments, and they codified 1,521 prohibitions on the Sabbath. Now, later on, the West embraced the principle with something called blue laws. That's what they were called in the States. This is actually something from the province of Ontario many, many years ago, these prohibitions. You couldn't work. Uh, no games or races. You couldn't uh, take trips. Uh, all public meetings except churches. And you couldn't hunt, shoot, fish, or, you know, go to public bathing houses. Those kind of things. You couldn't do that on, on Sunday. Well, I actually had experience with these blue laws when I was a kid. I love, I love animals and I love water and I love fish and all the little creatures in the, in the water. I just love that. Well, uh, we went to this church. My parents took me to church. They, they took me to church pr pretty much my whole life. And so it gave me a good biblical foundation uh, for Christianity. And we were growing up in Alabama. And the church we went to was Fairfield Highlands Baptist Church. It's a real old church now. And I actually Googled it. And you can see right here, that is that church. It still exists. Uh, just across the street here, 10th Avenue, this is the a pond. It's called the frog pond. When my parents would drive up, I made a beeline to the frog pond because I love little creatures in, in, in water. The only thing was, there was a tree there. In, in fact, I don't know if you can see it, that tree still exists. And on that tree was a sign like this, no Sunday fishing. Well, a little six or seven-year-old kids might have thought, oh my, I just kind of look at the lake, look, look at the pond, because there's probably a policeman behind the building to arrest me if I, you know, caught a minnow. That was going through my mind. Never really understood until later in life what was really going on there. So that's one extreme. On the other extreme are those who view the Ten Commandments as suggestions, and they're not the Ten Suggestions. Now, the reason these scribes came up with all these was that they sought value in legalistic acts rather than fidelity to God in your heart. Legalism is not God's intent for giving us the Ten Commandments. Now, 
With that background, let's go back to the book of Mark. Jesus and his disciples, when they're walking along, they break two prohibitions on the Sabbath. First of all, they walk too far. You weren't supposed to walk in further than like 800 meters on the Sabbath. They walked further than that. Secondly, you weren't supposed to plow and reap. And they were reaping by taking those little kernels off the wheat or the barley stalks. So, Jesus said to their response, Have you never read what David, King David, did when he and his companions, when they were hungry and they were in need? In the days of Abiathar, that kind of, that's one of the high priests then, he, that is David, entered the house of God, that is the, the temple, and he ate what was called the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Now, Jesus meets this accusation from the Pharisees with this question, a counter question. He's referring to something that happened way back. It's recorded in 1 Samuel when David and his companions were running from Saul because Saul was trying to kill David. So they came up to, uh, you know, so there's the, the temple there. And so they were hungry. They went inside and they ate what was called the consecrated bread. In the temple, in the, in the most special place, it was called the most holy place. There's a room just to, just to the side of that was the holy place. This table was set up there. And there were 12 loaves of these bread. This bread that was brought in every day, fresh loaves, two, two stacks. And it was reserved only for the priest. Nobody else is supposed to do that. Although it was contrary to the law to eat this bread, David did and his companions because they were hungry. But Jesus didn't condemn him for doing that because he placed human need above religious ritualism. So he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So when Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, he shattered the iron uh, shackles of prohibitions that had turned a day of joy and happiness, the Sabbath, into sullenness, one of sullenness and fear. To Jesus, the Sabbath was not created for its own sake. God gave it to us. Its purpose was not to put us into a straitjacket. It was for our good, to provide rest from labor. An opportunity for worship. God instituted the Sabbath to bless us and for our well-being. And the authority for Jesus to redefine the perceived purpose of the Sabbath rested in this. One of Jesus' names is Son of Man. It was what he called himself. It reflects his authority and power over all things, including the Sabbath. Then he said, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet, this is another version, meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Now, to remember, let me give you this verse here. He says, remember, this is Exodus, the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you're supposed to work, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. To remember here means to basically keep in mind as a priority and to do no work that is in the previous verse means to seize or rest. Holy, uh, it is hol holy means to set something apart. There's a, a pastor in the U.S. Uh, and he's written a lot. His name is Chuck Swindoll. And he really captures in a quote why we need the Sabbath. Here's what he says. We have become a generation of people who worship our work, 
work at our play and play at our worship. Well said. So the Sabbath, the Sabbath principle is here for a reason. Now, how do we do that? How do we live out the Sabbath in today's culture, in today's world? Well, go back to the big idea. You can experience the benefits of the Sabbath when you practice the four R's of Sabbath keeping. This is where the rubber meets the road. So let's complete this chart here. Here's the first R. Rest. Rest. It means one day of the week, quit working. That's what it means. Just don't work seven days out of the week. It's common sense. See, what he says in God's scheme of things, we should be able to get everything done in, in six out of seven days, 85% of the time that we, we have. If you can't get it all done in those six days, you perhaps have misplaced priorities or you're just too busy. Now, a caveat. Let me give a caveat. It's important for you to hear this. There are times when we have to work seven days a week. Those are seasons that come. Like when you have a, a baby. You can't tell your baby, hey, I'm off today. <laughs> that does not work. You have a baby. Maybe you have to work a second job. You know, the economy's tough. And I understand that sometimes you have to work a second job just to put food on your table. Sometimes there's sickness in the family and you just have to tend to them day after day after day after day. But they're meant to be a season, not permanent. A weekly Sabbath is a chance to recharge. Now, I have a I have an Apple Watch. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Apple geek. I got all kinds of little gadgets. Uh, after about uh, uh, 18 hours, my Apple Watch has this little red squiggly line on the front. It reminds me, hey, battery power is running low. You better charge it up. So I have to reach, recharge it. Sabbath is like that for our bodies and our souls. It recharges us. Keeping a Sabbath is interrupting the routines of, of life so that we can recharge. It's a deliberate act of non-doing. It's not meant to be a legalistic deal. Please understand that. But it's interrupting the routines of life. It's a time, it, it's really non-doing. It's a time to stop and let God take care of us. Down to the caveat here. It does not mean that you just, uh, on Sabbath, that you just do something mindless uh, or you just sit around all day in an in a easy chair. Now that may be your Sabbath if you want that. But really, it's a time to do things that replenish you, that you enjoy. It may be gardening, maybe a hobby, it may be fishing, <laughs> reading, uh, it may be taking a nap, it may be playing, whatever replenishes you. So I'm going to ask you, what really replenishes your soul? What really replenishes your body? That's what you're supposed to do on the Sabbath. This is a, um, a quote from a, an author. He says, Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. Because what do we do on the Sabbath? We stop the routine of the rest of the week, what we've been doing. Okay, there's rest. Here's the next one is reflect. Now let's go back to the creation account. For in six days... Six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it, made it holy. You see, when God rested, it wasn't because he was tired or they ran out of ideas. Yet after each day of creation, the Bible says that God said that his creation was good. Then, chapter 1, verse 31. 
God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. You see, each day and before the Sabbath day, God noticed and he reflected on his good creation. Keeping a Sabbath is a time when we can allow God to look in our hearts just as he looked at his creation and for us to look in and reflect over our lives. And I want to encourage you to memorize this next verse I'm going to put up there. It's from the Psalms. I'll let you read it to yourself. Just read it to yourself. This would be a great day to start, a great verse rather to start your day or a great verse to use to set aside a Sabbath. Just open your heart up to him. Okay. So we've seen rest, reflect. Here's the next one. Recalibrate. Now, uh, any of you guys or gals, car, car people here, you really know about, a lot about cars and stuff? Raise your hand. Let me see. Okay, we got one. We got two. Okay, so, so you guys will know what I'm about to say. And the rest of you, I'm going to teach you something. Way back then, they had like carburetors in an engine. And today we have fuel injection. And, and since I don't know a lot about cars, that's kind of the way the fuel gets in the engine and catches on fire, but it stays in. Anyway, so the old days, you had to get a tune-up on a regular basis. Take the carburetor out because all kinds of gunk was in it. And you had to take your spark plugs out, you know, clean them, get a little sandpaper or replace them. That's what you had to do. If you wanted your car to run smoothly, you needed a tune-up. A weekly Sabbath can be like that very thing, a tune-up to your soul to kind of get the gunk out, to reflect over, okay, that needs to go, to gain perspective over your prior week, to gain perspective on what's coming up, to acknowledge and appreciate your past week, just like God said it was good at each day of creation, to fine-tune your heart to prepare to navigate the next week. You see, God gave his work meaning and acknowledged his completion and said that it was good as an example for you and for me to say the same thing. You see, God designed us with certain specifications. We're supposed to live within those specifications. Our tendency is to drift away. A weekly calibration can catch that drift and bring us back to where we need to be. Sabbath helps us stop and tune up. Okay, so we got rest, we got reflect, we got recalibrate, and here's the last one, renew. You see, for the Jews, the day originally was also a day to remember God who rescued them from slavery and brought them into rest. It was a time for worship. The Sabbath is a time to worship, reflect on the Lord for spiritual renewal. Now, Sunday is probably going to be most of you guys' Sabbath. For pastors, it's different because, you know, this is a big work day for us and we have to find another day. Here's what another version says. You must start respecting the Sabbath as a joyful day of worship. You must stop doing and saying whatever you please on this special day. It isn't that God is saying, don't fish on Sundays. Don't cut your grass on Sundays. Don't go to the grocery store on Sundays. Don't, you know, don't do these. He's not saying that. He is saying, don't let those activities keep you from corporate worship because we need to come together to get refreshed together. I don't know who wrote this, but some I, I, I thought was interesting. It's not that we want people to go to church because the golf course is closed on Sunday mornings, but that we want to develop people who prefer God over golf. I thought that was well said. Let me say two things. If you don't prioritize Sabbath, the demands of this world would just suck your time up. Secondly, your practice of the Sabbath will be contested by Satan because he does not want you to stop and rest and reflect. 
He does not want you to do those things. He wants you to keep up your busy, frenzied schedule, and then he wins. So Sabbath is a day to ponder God and spiritual things and rest. And here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will what? Say it with me. Give you rest. The word rest is actually the word for rejuvenate. You see, God worked and then he rested, not because he was tired, but because he was giving a pattern for you and for me. Let's put these five, four R's up again. Rest, reflect, recalibrate, and renew. Let's say those together. Say it out loud. The first one is rest. Second one is reflect. Third one is recalibrate. Fourth one is renew. As I was putting this message together, uh, one of the most profound insights came from a Chinese word. Now, I don't know Chinese, but this is the word in Chinese for busy. And it's actually two words. This word is the word for heart. This word is a word for death. They define busyness as heart death. One author put it this way, the heart is the place the busy life exacts its steepest toll. So my question I want to ask you is this, are you called up in the throes of heart death because you are so busy? Are you missing this powerful experience called Sabbath? Not meant to be legalistic, okay. Is that mean you can't fish on Sundays, that kind of thing? If you're missing it, now's the time to start getting it and practicing it in small ways until it becomes just a natural, regular part of your life. So, do you need Sabbath? Do you need rest? You need to reflect, recalibrate, or renew. So I want to pray for us now, and I just want you to consider if Sabbath is not a part of your life, to really think about what you can do to build in Sabbath into your life. So would you bow your heads? I'm going to lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for the beautiful example you gave us in the creation account of Genesis of how you rested on the seventh day, not because you were tired, because you ran out of ideas, but because you were setting an example for us, a day of the week where we really reflect on you and we enjoy your creation. We enjoy uh, things that bring us um, satisfaction that you have given us. And Lord, I know, personal example, how hard it is sometimes to keep the Sabbath. Stuff always comes up. Stuff always interferes. We, we want to finish what we're doing but Lord, help us realize that this is a great uh, principle to remember that we don't have to finish everything at that very moment, that we can take rest and let you just take care of the rest. So Lord, I pray for every person here that all of us would consider Sabbath. And Lord, we, 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 we think even deeper, there is a Sabbath rest when we come to you, when we place our faith in you. Now, before I close this prayer, I just want to invite you, if you're here right now this, in this place, if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, and the Bible calls that a Sabbath rest, an eternal Sabbath rest. If your soul is weary and you're thirsting for something, you don't know what it is, I'll tell you what it is. It's knowing God personally through Jesus Christ. 
So I want to invite you right now, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, if you've never placed your faith in him, repented of your sins, you've never experienced this Sabbath rest, she would give your heart to Jesus. And here's how it would work. In a moment, I'm going to say a very simple short prayer. I would invite you in your heart or under your breath to repeat this prayer after me. Now, the prayer is not magical. It just indicates that you want to become a follower of Jesus. So I would encourage you to do that. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead. Believing that and turning from your sins, you will receive forgiveness and Sabbath rest. So here's the prayer. Repeat it after me under your breath or in your heart. Dear God, I want this Sabbath rest. I want to know you personally. I turn from my sins. I place my faith in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Now, Lord, I'm just going to trust that there were several people here that crossed that line of faith and secured their eternal destiny. Now they're beginning to experience the Sabbath rest. We thank you for that. We pray this in your name. Amen.